presented by Amazon. Hey, good morning, playbookers. I'm Rogan Winovalin. Another Tuesday, another set of high-profile GOP primaries. We'll tell you what to watch for in South Carolina and Nevada today. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. It's another Tuesday in 2022, which means it's time for yet another stop in Donald Trump's post-presidency revenge tour against incumbent Republicans he thinks have wronged him. Today, we'll see two high-profile GOP primaries in South Carolina, where Representatives Tom Rice and Nancy Mace face Trump-backed opponents. Though there are similarities between the two, Rice was one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump after the January 6th insurrection, while Mace, a freshman then on her third day in Congress, went on TV to slam Trump for lying about the 2020 election. Today will be a case study in the divergent tactics the two have taken in responding to Trump's attacks. As Maya King from the New York Times noted on Monday, Rice's approach leaned into the criticism. In a dispatch from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Politico colleague Ali Mutnick reports in today's playbook on the backlash Rice has endured from Trump supporters, angry over his continued critiques of the former president, ranging from death threats to shouts of, quote, traitor from passing car windows to an official censure by the South Carolina Republican Party, a copy of which, by the way, Rice has hanging in his office. Rice's challenger, State Representative Russell Fry, was endorsed by Trump in February and has made much of his campaign about Rice's impeachment vote. Even so, Rice is not changing his tune when it comes to Trump and January 6th. He told Ali, quote, I think that was one of the worst things, if not the worst, that a president has ever done in terms of attacking the Constitution and separation of powers. I just couldn't stand for that. And he's clear-eyed about what he thinks Trump is trying to do to the GOP as he supports primary challengers to people like Rice and Mace. Quote, he's purging. He's purging. He's trying to set the Republican Party up as a bunch of yes-men loyalists. Worth noting, today's primary between Rice and challenger Russell Fry marks the first time this year that a Republican who voted for impeachment actually faces a Trump-backed primary challenger. Representative Nancy Mace's approach is a little bit different. Endorse Trump even as he spurns you. Where Rice has continued his criticisms of Trump, Mace has swung in the opposite direction. Going so far as to travel to Manhattan and shoot a video in front of Trump Tower to reiterate her support for the former president, even after he endorsed her opponent, Katie Arrington. Notes Paul Schwartzman from The Washington Post, quote, Trump's ire has persisted. He's called her crazy, terrible, and bad for the Republican Party. For her part, May says she holds no grudges and has suggested she would support Trump for president in 2024 if he is the party's nominee. Mesa's race has also become something of a proxy war between Trump and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who served as his ambassador to the UN, but has more recently fallen out of favor in Trump world. Haley has campaigned for Mesa in recent weeks, with some supporters eager to urge a 2024 run by the former governor. In Nevada, Republicans are picking nominees for statewide races. The Politico's Zach Montalaro notes, quote, are expected to be among the most competitive November elections in the country. For governor, Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo is the GOP favorite for governor, having built a public polling lead even before Trump endorsed him. But the crowded Republican field also includes former Senator Dean Heller, party-switching North Las Vegas Mayor John Lee, and former boxer Joy Gilbert, among others. For the Senate, former State Attorney General Adam Laxalt, who's backed by both Trump and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, is trying to hold off a late GOP primary charge from Sam Brown, an Army veteran. Laxalt has been a major backer of Trump's false claim that the 2020 election was stolen from him, but he's not alone on Nevada's statewide ballot. 
The Federal Reserve was expected to raise interest rates by half a percentage point at its meeting tomorrow, but last week's bad inflation report raised the likelihood that the central bank could surprise the country with an even bigger jump, three-fourths of a point. That would be the largest interest rate hike since 1994, and economists are increasingly predicting that the Fed will go there. A related note from Bloomberg's Garfield Clinton Reynolds, quote, The Federal Reserve's bid to contain the hottest inflation in decades will end in a recession. That's the message the bond market is telegraphing. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. This morning, President Joe Biden will head to Philadelphia to speak at the 29th AFL-CIO Quadrennial Constitutional Convention at the Pennsylvania Convention Center. Vice President Kamala Harris will lead a roundtable at 2.30 about what happens if Roe v. Wade is overturned, featuring, quote, constitutional law, privacy, and technology experts. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will gaggle on Air Force One on the way to Philly. The House will meet at 10 a.m. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell will testify before a Homeland Security Subcommittee at 10 a.m. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh will testify before the Education and Labor Committee at 10.15. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham and Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon will testify before the Select Climate Crisis Committee at 1 p.m. The Senate will meet at 11 a.m. to take up the Honoring Our Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics Act, with a recess from 12.30 to 2.15 for weekly conference meetings. An update on the House January 6th Committee. Chair Benny Thompson told reporters Monday that the House January 6th Committee won't make formal criminal referrals to the Justice Department. But some other committee members quickly broke with him. CNN's Ryan Nobles, Annie Grayer, and Zachary Cohen report. Vice Chair Liz Cheney tweeted Monday night that the committee hadn't decided on that yet. Representative Elaine Luria followed a few minutes later, quote, If criminal activity occurred, it is our responsibility to report that activity to the DOJ. And even the committee officially pulled back from Thompson's comments, with a spokesperson saying in a statement that they would, quote, make criminal referrals if needed. All right, that's all I've got for you today. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Munobalan. Have a good Tuesday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Only 23% of workers have access to paid parental leave, according to the U.S. Department of Labor. That number is even worse for hourly workers. Amazon is proud to provide up to 20 weeks of fully paid leave for hourly employees. Learn how Amazon supports hourly employees at Amazon.com slash 20 weeks. That's Amazon.com slash 20 weeks.